Hello, this is Lukia Giftopoulou and I'm joined today by AJ Bell Chief Investment Officer, Ras Moult. We are going to talk about this new craze called SPACs. So Ras, I think to start off, let's, let's get the jargon out of the way and explain what SPACs actually are. Yes, a SPAC is a special purpose acquisition company. Now, I guess in UK terminology, they used to be known as cash shells. So it's a company that's set up generally with a pile of cash provided either by the backer or normally by investors. And what the SPAC then looks to do is it looks to basically go out and buy a company with the money that the the new shells have given it. So the shell is effectively give money to a company that doesn't have a business model, does have a a management team potentially, and then it effectively looks to go out and, and buy an asset. So you're effectively trusting that management team to know what they're doing and not to overpay for the asset. So SPACs have actually been around for, for quite a long time, but it's only in the past year that, that there, there seems to be a fad about them. So, I mean, in the US, there were about 248 listings, which is almost as much as there had been the, the decade before. What is driving this? Why, why is everybody going crazy about SPACs? I think it were possibly that that stage in the stock market cycle. This isn't a comment on the economic cycle. I think it's a comment on the stock market cycle where you may have people who've got assets that they're looking to sell or they're looking to monetize. And a SPAC transaction is a probably a quicker and easier way for them to do that than it is to go through the tedious process of initial public offerings and documentation and and um, uh, and roadshow. So I think that's possibly one one issue to flag is that it's it's can be really good for the seller as as, as well as potentially good for the buyer. I think WeWork might now eventually IPO via the SPAC route. Yeah, that that wouldn't surprise me given that its IPO slightly fell apart at a, just as just as it was getting there. Uh, and also, you have seen some SPACs that that, that have gone terribly well. So as perhaps you can expect in. In financial circles, when something goes well and something makes a lot of money out of it, quite a few of the people look to join in. And that goes for both the sellers and the buyers. There have been some SPACs that have been very, very good for the investors who got in, who got in early enough. Though now you're at a stage when you've got people like Shaquille O'Neal, Jay-Z and Colin Kaepernick, the San Francisco 49ers former quarterback, joining in. Again, as an investor, you need to ask yourself, are you on the right side of the trade if, if maybe a few celebs are piling in? It's not necessarily always a brilliant sign. I mean, the UK is currently aiming to change its listing rules. And and one of the reasons for that is to lure more SPACs to float on the London Stock Exchange. Is this a good idea, do you think? Uh, I guess there's a concern that some prime British companies will look to list in America. I think Kazoo is one of the names that's being mentioned. And the Hill Review that just, just came out is talking about relaxing some of the listing rules in the UK particularly with regard to SPACs, because in the, in the UK, the rules are a little bit trickier. So if you're a SPAC in the UK and you announce you're making an acquisition, the shares are actually suspended for a while, which isn't the case in the United States of America. The deal is announced and the shares just continue to trade. And you often find that the shares go up when the deal is first announced. So the rules in the UK are different. I guess what you then got to ask yourself is, is this the UK giving entrepreneurs more of a chance to raise money so they can hire more people, invest, and, and, and hopefully do good for the economy and for their customers. And also perhaps to give the city a bit of a lift as it sort of grapples with the hard Brexit that it was rather left with. Alternatively, you could argue, well, it's just same old city. It's just looking to bend its own rules so it can earn a buck 
again, something that might make you a little bit nervous after, after a 12-year bull run. And I think if you look at the UK stock market, you know, you had a FTSE 100 company go bust in plain sight last year in MMC Health. Uh, you've had one big SPAC transaction in the US. I stress only one. Um, mm. Nikola Motors, see the, the founder of the company, booted out amid allegations of fraud and misrepresentation. Um, and also SPACs, you say, are very much in the headlines now. Um, but they were in the headlines in 1720, 1721, and I wasn't around at the time, thankfully. <laughs> no, but just so you know, as, as a history student, and all the books are right behind me there, um, SPACs actually, there was, a, there was a sort of wave of SPACs during the South Sea bubble, which um, cleaned a lot of investors out. And actually, some of the SPACs that were founded at the time, one was for a perpetual motion machine, which I think would have been really interesting to Sir Isaac Newton, particularly because he lost a lot of money in the, the South Sea bubble anyway. Uh, one was for developing a cannon that fired square cannonballs. Uh, and one, and I've had to write this down because I couldn't believe it when I was doing my research, was for a company for carrying on an undertaking of great advantage, but that no one to know what it is. So, right. uh, yeah, so basically give me your money and then I'll go and find something to do with it, which I guess is kind of what a SPAC is right now. So, so I guess so why, I'm not why... saying that we haven't seen this before, but we, we have seen them in the 1720s. And we saw a few in 2006-07 just before the great financial crisis hit up, which is why I'm saying it, it can be a time of the cycle when you know things are getting a little bit hot and bothered, maybe. Why is it easier for SPACs to list to a stock exchange as opposed to, you know, a startup that, that gets big enough if, and, and wants to it's Because it's if, I guess it's, if, I mean, it's a company that's clearly, there's been a lot of work put into the acquisition because you are hopefully buying companies that are, all right, Nicola is in its early stages, some of them are in their early stages, but some are, are, are relatively well-formed. It's just, I think, a means of getting... It's an acquisition, effectively. So you don't have to go through all the prospect. You don't have to go through all the prospectus filing. You don't have to go to shells and say, "Look, here's the investment case," because the yeah. SPAC has already done that for you. It's already listed. It said, "Look, here we are. We're a cash shell. Give us your money. Fill up the shell. Then we'll take the cash. And we'll go and find something really exciting to do with it. We promise." And in many cases, they have. And in some cases, it's got a little bit more difficult. Who is it that puts money in these companies? I think. Some research has shown it was mainly hedge funds uh, that looked into a specific number of floats last year. But is it is it plain investors as well? Is it only more they sophisticated there's, there's, funds? I think it's possibly hard for them to get into the SPAC at the initial, when that, that, that first floats. Um, but I think certainly, yeah, once they're quoted on the stock exchange, anybody can get involved and you can get involved before its balance acquisition or afterwards. Again, that's a matter of choice. What you often used to see with the cash shells in the UK they often would have a pile of cash, but the shares would quickly trade at a premium to that pile of cash as investors priced in what the exciting thing was coming around the corner. And I think one of the reasons why the, the SPAC rules in the UK are currently tighter than they are in the US is that there were a couple of scandals in the UK that actually prompted the London Stock Exchange to, to, to amend its rules. So there was a company called Glangbar, which was a cash shell, where a new chief executive came in and entirely honestly... And to help shareholders and, and, and management, the company in theory had 360 odd million pounds of cash sitting around in Argentina um, to put into construction projects. And once you went looking for it, well, the money wasn't there. So that was one thing that went wrong with cash shells. And then there was a company called Gate Ventures in 2015 that came to market uh, and that went bust within 12 months and, and, and shareholders pretty much lost all their money. So there were some negative experiences there. So the stock exchange actually tightened up its rules. Now, you know, the Hill Review is suggesting maybe people have learned those lessons. There have been some deals that have gone incredibly well. Uh, and London, perhaps, uh, some people would like to see it participating more freely. But again, it, it's the balance between 
is fostering entrepreneurs but maintaining in investor protection well, obviously, obviously the uk is trying to be more competitive post brexit yes. Yes. to rival europe to rival the us to, to be you know to not lose its cloud and and its its dominance in the finance sector but is this our spacs is spacs what is going to do it for us i mean is 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 this the way that is this what is going to make the uk the the unique place to be or, or is it just a fraction out of of what we're aiming for yeah i think it's a fair i think overall i, I think it's everybody wants i mean stock stock markets are there to for companies to raise appropriately priced capital so they can invest and grow and that's 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 awesome. so i think the uk wants to be seen that it is a good place to to, to raise capital because it will help the uk economy grow and that's that's got to be a good thing but i think spacs are just a small part of that um and i think at this stage of the cycle there there, there is a danger that this is a bit of a fear of missing out situation and that at this stage of the cycle you um perhaps start to get one or two of the deals that are a little bit more highly valued because there's a bit of excitement and froth in the market and there's a risk therefore that that people again get hurt so if you do lessen the rules and i know lord hill is talking about putting in extra or loosening the rules with one hand but putting in more safeguards with the other certainly what you don't want to walk into is is a deal that goes badly wrong very quickly and and say a lot of retail investors get hurt because that is could it, be potential setback for you is that is that the worst thing that can happen with a spark is it that just a deal blows up immediately after it's it's done yeah and it's the same with any ipo i mean you know clearly nobody wants to be associated with an ipo that turns into a disaster I mean, in some ways you could say that the you know, the uk's shrugged off aston martin lagonda's very poor performers after its ipo relatively well the, these accidents do happen but the more of them there are yeah it, it can be damaging to your reputation and it means that people are reluctant to come back next time when perhaps there's a really really good deal knocking around the corner there are a lot of passionate voices around this issue some people like rafa for example the asset manager and terry smith um rafa called it the greatest financial folly of all time i believe that they are very against it the london stock exchange chief executive last week said that investors in the us are likely to come out poorly of this pack craze and there are people who are very for it and uh, you know the lord hill review is is on that side of the argument is are people getting too passionate about this do you think is there can we just take a middle route to to spacs or, or is it the kind of thing that would only cause extreme well extreme in, in inverted commas reactions i think it, i think it will stoke passions because we're at a, a time when you know the stock market seems quite finely balanced in that it, it it's had a tremendous recovery over the last 12 months despite everything that's gone on and and you could say is still going on you've got some people still talking about deflation coming still people some talk about people about inflation coming and if anything it's 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 concern over an overheating economy that's perhaps got markets most excited but at the same time you've got uh initial public offerings have gone incredibly well which again can be a bit of a worrying sign that people are getting a little bit over excited you've got a huge use of margin and leverage in the united states particularly with retail investors piling in using options you've had the gamestop situation um so there are things that you know using mark twain's or comment about history doesn't repeat itself it does tend to rhyme there are things that are happening that do make you a little bit nervous that the stock that financial markets have got a little bit overheated and that there there could be some trouble coming but you know who's to say when i was an analyst at ubs covering technology stocks in 1999 at their investment bank you know we put out a note at the start of that year saying this is looking really really dangerous people and as that promptly doubled so we didn't look that's well we looked smart eventually 
but we look pretty dumb for 12 months. And again, that's one of the, one of the great balancing acts. And somebody like Ruffer or Terry Smith will have a very, very long-term time horizon. So they will naturally be more cautious. And uh, given the choice, I think I personally side with them. Equally, you can understand why from a short-term economic perspective or a short-term financial market perspective, people would like to see London associated with big deals, particularly after the Brexit deal that really didn't give financial services um, very much a chewing at all. I mean, in this context, I would probably look at, think about Buffett, uh, Warren Buffett, the legendary US investor, where he says, you know, when when there is a, when a bubble does burst, if that's what we think it is, say that you think it is, then there will be two lessons learned. You know, one of which is that um, Wall Street, quote, somewhere where quality control is not highly prized, um, will sell investors anything that they want to buy. Uh, and secondly, that you know, speculation looks uh, is at its most dangerous when making money looks easiest. And I think that's probably a, a pretty wise warning. So are you for or against London changing listing rules to include SPACs? Uh, personally, I'm not a fan, not a, not in favour. Mm-hmm. And you know, do you think that also now that interest rates start to rise, will will the lure of these companies fade? I think it depends upon what they are. I mean, in in the, I think a lot of the SPAC transactions that you're seeing are for companies that have got, that, that are perhaps in some of their earlier stages now of their development. So they've got potentially very, very, you know, future loaded profits and cash flows. So they're in build phase, customer acquisition phase, really good things could happen further down the road. I suppose, you know, the, the Virgin Galactic thing is probably one, one, one example of that, or even Nikola Motors to a degree. Um, and I think one of the one of the the, the things there that they seem this movement higher in bond yields is interesting because one it's telling us that investors right now think there may be jam today, profit growth and economic growth now. In which case, why do you need to pay a really really high price for something that might be making loads and loads of money in ten or twenty years time when you can pick up jam today for very low valuations relative to jam tomorrow for very very high ones? So I think that's one of the interesting things that maybe the bond market move is telling us. And the second one. Is um, again, if if you do, you know, look to the long term valuation technique of a discounted cash flow model, then the higher the interest rate that you use goes, the more aggressively you discount back the future cash flows to your net present value, and your equity value is lower. So a lot of it is hard maths. Interest rates up, equity value down, depending upon the other assumptions. That so that doesn't them. look particularly good for it, it, this it's type of vehicle. It's potentially a challenge. Again, it depends upon what sort of company they're buying. But if they're buying a jam tomorrow story, it might make it a little bit more difficult. I mean, you know, Deliveroo is coming to is coming to London through an initial public offering in the traditional sense. It'll be a really interesting test of institutional appetite and retail investor appetite for a company that is currently heavily loss making or has been until certainly very recently. Is is looking is still in customer land and again has got very very bad. Uh, profits and cash flows and and one more question that is not entirely related to SPACs but where do you see London post Brexit in in a couple of years time do you think that it will manage to keep its um its its dominance of the sector London has got some fantastic advantages to it it's got but it's got you for a start (laughs) well it's got rule of law it's got um so it's got an independent central bank. It's got uh, a, unit, a fairly universal language. It's got a fantastic time zone. So it straddles Asia, Europe, and the US. It has a huge ecosystem of advisors, lawyers, bankers, accountants, auditors who, who do still command and deserve great respect. 
So it has an awful lot going for it. And one thing that I think the city's history over time will tell you, it is very adaptable and very flexible, and it still produces some fantastic quality work. I think, therefore, what it mustn't do is be tempted to dilute that in the short term because it's frightened of missing out on a few deals. It came pretty close to doing that with Saudi Aramco a couple of years ago when the, the listing rules were, were, were prepared, were, you know, the, the listing, UK listing authority was preparing to sacrifice its, its, its rules there. I think you've just got to be a little bit careful. There are there is a very there's a you know centuries of of good reputation here. It'd be a shame if for a bit of a short term you know grab for cash that um, some of that some of that luster was perhaps lost. And last last one is: Would you invest in a SPAC yourself? Well, I'm not allowed to, so I can tell you that for starters, my compliance department doesn't allow me to invest in any specific stocks. So. Because of the work that I do, we don't want anybody who's listening or reading thinking that I'm pushing something that I own myself and being incredibly naughty. So that, that, that can't happen. I think if I was allowed to in, in any individual stock or SPAC, it is literally a case-by-case -case basis. I mean, I'm 50 and a bit, so 51, 52, and I'm still in, I would still be looking to invest my money on a multi-year view. You know, I'm not planning on retiring anytime soon. So I'll be looking for long-term investments, and I probably am a bit of a more value slash Buffett disciple. Cash flow, decent value, sensible valuation does not have to be a cheap one. A bit of dividend yield would be nice. So then it really would a SPAC fit with my long-term investment goals, my strategy, my time horizon, my appetite for risk? If yes, then it would be, okay, do I understand the business? Do I trust so the management not, team? Does it come at a sensible price? So it's not it, a sexual thing. It's, it's a case by case. Case by case. Thing. Absolutely. I'm sure there'll be some that will be terrific and some that I would look at and what's left of my hair will just fall straight out because of the valuation or the business model. So it would be very case by case. Well, it remains to see what happens in, in the next uh, 12 months, I guess. Yes, I, I, I'm sure, I, I get the sense that the, the Hill Review will probably give them quite a warm reception. Deliveroo will be interesting as a, as a case, test case because, again, Mr. Will Shu, the co-founder and CEO, is looking to do that with a dual share structure to give him more control for just three years, one of the Hill Review's recommendations. So if that you know, proves to be a, a very hot issue, Lord Hill may well feel you know, immediately vindicated and it may set a precedent for other transactions. But as we know, investment performance is a, is a long-term thing. So let's just see. Thank you very much, Russ. It's a pleasure.